Jordan Groshans is him. The Marlins have solved the third base riddle already. Jordan Groshans is up and raking. I have already penciled him in. No, I haven't. I've inked him in as the opening day starter at third base in 2023. However, Sean Barrett is here, and we're going to dig into whether that uh, that idea is is on the money or wide of the mark on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast, even in the depths of September. Yes, sir. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Please subscribe to the pod or the YouTube channel. If you are watching, hello, greetings. You will see it's Wednesday and Sean Barrett is still here. And yes, we are still in the same outfits. <laughs> if you watch yesterday's episode, uh, they were so good to us yesterday. We've doubled down and wore the same gear. Nevertheless, Sean, how you doing, brother? Yeah, there's there's uh, there's certainly no double recording today. We just wear the same outfits every day. Uh, yeah, no, good to be good to be back, Pete, and uh, talking Marlins baseball as always. No doubt about it. Let's get right into it, mate, because we have got a packed show. We spent yesterday talking about the Dolphins, rightly so, and Sandy Alcantara, also rightly so. There's tons of other guys that we have to get into, and as I've teased out on the top of the the top of the hour on the top of the show, for me. Jordan Groshans is having a stunning, stunning start to his major league career. We were worried about the power. All of a sudden, hits a huge bomb. Um, his brother going absolutely bananas in the stands, pulling the Jan Argafjortov celebration, which was stunning to see. For those that are then asking, Pete, who the hell is Jan Argafjortov? You have to go and search Swindon Town players in the early 90s, and you will find him. And it was a, a very, very... Famous celebration. Was it Jan Agafiotoft? I'm now slightly doubting myself on that. But anyway, uh, Jax Groshans going with the Jan Agafiotoft in the ballpark there, which is great to see. For me, Groshans has come in and has looked the real deal, not just offensively, but defensively. The Marlins here, I think, may have found a potential major league player at third base. What about you? I was not expecting Swindon Town to start for sure. But <laughs> there were some fiery Swindon Town Oxford uh Games back in those nineties and early two thousands for sure. No, Groshans is um, he's he's come as advertised, hasn't he? He's a, a previously a, a top one hundred prospect, um, and yeah, I mean the, the discussion point has been: is he a shortstop? Is he a third baseman? Uh, limited time, five games at third base. He's he's played quite well. You know the metrics certainly balance out as you know you'd be happy with having him there as a starting third baseman. Mm. The power, which we've spoken already about the idea of having power at third base and, and the requirement for that and the lack that the Marlins have had for decades. Um, he spoke, didn't he, about wanting to add a bit more power to his to his bat. And yeah. yeah, I mean, when you think, if I'm going to be a third baseman, I need to add power, That's what, anybody would know that. So the fact that he's, he's got that home run, that he's hitting well, you know, it, straight off the bat, it's nice, isn't it? I, I've said so many times, we're not going to see enough to know about what he's going to be able to do next year in this real small window. But I'd rather he hit than he didn't. Um, and at the moment, yeah, with the situation with BA and, and how he struggled this year and and the number that he's going to be at, 
could you argue that Groshon could give you what BA would give you at league minimum? If if you think that's the case, I actually I do. Then there's not a discussion point to be had, is there? Let's save that money and spend it elsewhere. No doubt. I think that's a really great question, a really good way of thinking about it, and the right lens to look through for the Marlins is. Can we get BA's production at uh, six million less, effectively, or five and a half million, whatever the number may be? Uh, and you might be right. I think I think it's possible. The it's just funny, right? Because you, I've never seen any Groshans at bats ever before. So his major league debut and and the following at bats, the next you know weeks worth of play, first time I'd ever seen him. What what I have seen though, I really liked just the approach. Feels to me like the bat. And the swing plane, the bat is in the hitting zone a long time. It looks like it's there. It looks like he's just going to make a lot of contact. And for me, having seen a lot of players not making a lot of contact, I'm really encouraged with what I've seen from Groshans. I really am. And defensively, really encouraged. Um, The one surprise, though, for me, though, Sean, I have to be honest, is, you know, considering where we are in the year, that we haven't seen him have any time at shortstop in this uh, brief period. I know maybe it's to like let him familiarize himself, but I am slightly surprised they haven't, you know, analytics guy at the, you know, wherever they sit, the top of the building somewhere have said, Hey, we'll plug him in in three days time and shortstop and see what we've got. Bit surprised on that. What about you? Yeah, a little bit. And it's weird for you to say they're protecting him by letting him play a position he's more comfortable in when we've had a whole season and multiple players playing in a position that they're not used to, and it's, it's affected them on both sides of the ball. So yeah. is this a case of they finally learnt their lesson, or is it a case of they they know he's probably better at third base, or is it that they know that the hole that they're going to have next year is at third base, and that's where they want him? You know, that's an interesting wrinkle for me as far as do they have a plan at shortstop? Is that is that Miggy? Is that somebody mm. else that they're, they're, they're covered in? Um, I think, yeah, the, the lineup next year is going to be interesting. I'm not a run it back guy. I think we need to make some changes. But I had a discussion this week about the lineup for 2023. Uh, um, and every time I went through the lineup, I'm, I'm picking guys that are still in the in the team. I think I, I think seven of the nine guys that I had penciled in for next year are, are on the team. So. Mm. It's hard to see where we're going, and especially in the other Marlins, you know, they're not going to be picking up these big guys. So, yeah, Groshans at third next year. Does it excite me? Not as much as a, a big name free agent would, should certainly. But, yeah. you know, when you're talking about top 100 prospect, you know, that's the kind of people, and it's not some guy that they're just picking up. It's not a, a Le, LeBlanc who came out of nowhere. And while he's yeah. hit well, how much faith do we have in him, really? Limited, I would say. Like, I think LeBlanc is is you know is the Dela Cruz of of twenty two. Personally, that I'm pretty confident he'll cool off and regress back down to what you think, etc. And I have more confidence to, to your point in in Jordan Groshans, the pedigree, the seasoning. Uh, the sense is that that most likely you would get a major league, at least a major league average player out of him uh, for sustained periods. While we're talking about shortstop, I think it's right for us to call out Miguel Rojas, El Capitan, is having a truly stunning defensive year um, at shortstop. Say whatever you will about his bat and his uh, his activities on Twitter. But defensively, with the glove, it has been probably his best ever. I haven't looked at the numbers to verify that, but for me, Miggy 
is having his best defensive year that I can think of. He has been absolutely sensational. Marlins comms put a tweet out uh, over the weekend, you know, effectively trying to give him a little bit of pump um, for the gold glove and remind us that where Miggy's at and really what they're reminding us is that really he should be in the lead in terms of uh, the NL shortstop gold glove. I mean, Sean, I don't know how these things are voted on and, and you know, whether there's any you know specific preferences or tendencies or bias uh, that, that coaches and, and managers have, but take all that away. Miggy Rowe, he deserves a gold glove at shortstop this year, in my opinion. What about you? Not just this year. I mean, if you think about it, like as far as his career goes, you know, you're talking about is this his best year? And statistically, you could argue that it is. But he's had year after year after year of quality. And we've seen it. You know, when you're watching yeah. the game, you see it. He's an elite defensive player. Um, and yeah, I think it's not a case of if he doesn't win it, he's been robbed. Um, because. Yeah. We only, I only watch Marlins games. I don't watch a, a lot of other other teams. So there may be other defensive guys out there that are, are you know elite guys. But, Someone will be pumping Swanson. I'm, I'm convinced yeah. they'll be talking about Swanson and maybe Lindor and whatever. I mean, of course, and these, and these are big market teams, and and yeah. and people do get swayed by that as well. Um, no but he's he's up there. He's he's a finalist. He's he's a guy that deserves his his moment in the sun as far as as having some recognition for that. Um, and yeah, I mean the bat hasn't been great this year. Uh, one of his slower years, uh, but it's not been it's not been dreadful. You know, a defensive first shortstop that can hit. Yeah, you know, I'd only expect an, I'd only expect a little bit more performance, and I would be happy to place him in the lineup next year. Um, the off the field, the, in the clubhouse, I don't think the social media part actually matters as far as what the teams see. Um, but I I'm probably in a very small sect of people that says. I still like to see him as a starting shortstop for the Marlins next year. I don't see a scenario where they go out and get an improvement on that. The defense, you know, is going to be there. The offense, you know, he could back, you know, a small bounce back, and you're talking, you know, a 90, 95, 100 WRC plus with elite gloves. That's that's a starting shortstop for, you know, a, a good team. Um, I don't think that's a hole that the Marlins need to fix. I think there were other holes in the lineup and the bullpen. That's where I'd like to see the the efforts to to improve the club. Sean, I completely agree. I completely agree with you that Miggy Rowe locked the glove in and locked the bat in the main down in the seven, eight, or nine hole, not trying to be the guy hitting in the five, the two, the one spot. Just lock him in there. It's perfect. The catcher. Miggy, you know, they're hitting in the last two out of the three spots in the lineup. Unless Fortes is going. Like, let's say Stallings is starting. It's a sandy start. Stallings is hitting nine. You know, Miggy eight. And then the rest of the lineup goes upwards. I'm all good for that. Not a problem. Miggy Rowe's glove is absolutely sensational. And it delivers so much value, just the glove. From From a bat perspective, it has cooled this year. But I do also think... The, like from Miggy's perspective, you know, the team were in it. This team was in the hunt for a long period. And then they the injuries hit. And I think Miggy's tried to do a bit too much. And you know the drill, like maybe Coop did, tried to just become the hero. It's not how baseball works. You can't be the hero. You just got to play your game, stay within yourself. And I think Miggy, Coop, they all got a bit outside themselves trying to kind of pull an Aaron Judge effectively. 
Can I Aaron judge the Marlins to the playoffs? And unfortunately, neither Coop or Miggy um, have the attributes that Aaron Judge does right now. Nevertheless, uh, I'm with you. I think Miggy Rowe is the better's choice to remain the opening day shortstop for the Marlins in 23. And I also think that there's a good chance he wins a gold glove. And I think it would be wild if the Marlins lose, let's just say, 90 games for round numbers. They lose 90 games, have three all-stars, a gold glove, and a Cy Young winner. I mean, wild scenes if that was to be the case. Nevertheless, first ad of the day, guys, and it's Wednesday, and this is always my favorite ad, my new one. However, I have to call out, there is no shipping to the UK. So UK listeners, unfortunately, this one is not for you, but enjoy the content. Nevertheless, summer is winding down, and the nights are getting longer. But the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of the licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the US of A and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. So... If you could benefit from extra, extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay five bucks shipping and that is it. That is BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Stunning. Love that one as always. Okay, Sean, where, where I wanted to kind of deviate into now, we've kind of talked about Groshans. The bat, the stick looks nice. The defense looks nice. There's a good chance uh, Groshans can, can start a third base, in my opinion, next year. And uh, the Marlins will hope for that. I think Miggy Rowe, the defense, is nice, and we know that. Good chance he can win the gold glove. Talk to me about center field, though, mate, because we've seen another J.J. Bloodet issue in center field over the weekend where... There was a ball that went over his head to the wall, and somehow, you know, he kicks it down the line. Brian Anderson trying to cover. A bit of a mess. you got Blade playing center, Brian Anderson playing right field. They somehow kick it around each other, and there's an inside-the-park home run. Luckily, this time, no torn ACLs. Nevertheless, it was an inside-the-park homer, and Blade misplays another one. I mean... It's getting to that point now where we're maybe going to have to get to the point of J.J. Bladey in centre and saying experiment over, I think, on this one. What about you? I think the experiment's over. I don't think it'll be his last game in centre field because we've just got to see out these games, haven't we? We're, we're spluttering to the end of the season um, and they might as well give him the last couple of games for whatever reason. Uh, in my mind, if the Marlins are serious about competing next year, the starting centre fielder isn't in the organisation right now. Mm-hmm. There's no way that we can go through another season of this where we spoke all off season last year about you know who are they going to get, you know how they're going to fix this, how they're going to work around it. You know the the Maxi era years were over. 
you know, let's bring in a, a quality centre fielder, and that never materialised. And we spent the whole season watching guys that ultimately can't do it, you know, try. Jesus had a little bit of a period of time in the early season where it wasn't too bad, but then the offensive struggle started to kick in, and mm. then he's trying to balance too many balls, and ultimately that's what sent him down to AAA. You know, the fact that they're doing it again with Blade is a bit concerning. Now, they did give him a lot of opportunity in the minor leagues, and maybe they saw enough. The numbers weren't great. They weren't dreadful, though. But at the major league level, I think it's different, isn't it? And ultimately, you know, they can't. They can't be looking at what's currently happening and going, there's our centre fielder for the future. Oh, I agree. I agree on that one. I, I just think the glove clearly is not is not playing uh, in centre field. Uh, I'm actually being encouraged from a, a hitting perspective and the approach and, you know, on, on the Sunday game uh, when Sandy was going, you know, there was a, a, a kind of typical Blade moment, took a nice walk, worked a 3-2 count, walked, I think stole a bag as well. You know, Blade as, as a major league hitter, he has the attributes, just a centre field, it's uncomfortable for him. He's uncertain. It looks uncertain going back at the wall. He got tested again. There was another ball that was really similar that actually got hit to him. And I was thinking, oh boy, this is almost identical to, to one he blundered earlier. And he did make the play. However, to your point though, Sean, uh, the center fielder, starting center fielder for the Marlins is not on the roster right now, in my opinion. Uh, we failed to address that in the offseason. In reality now, when you kind of say run it back, what we are running back are the same requirements. We still have a center fielder need, and we still need to solidify the back end of the pen. And plus, we've taken Anthony Bass out of that back end of the pen as well. So you need to also add in someone there. Cole Salsa, Tanner Scott. I mean, Salsa's been an option to AAA now. It's not been good for him. Scott equally is, you know, he is who he is. It's it's just it's tightrope stuff every single time from those guys. You just can't rely on them. For a sustained period, you cannot rely on those dudes, in my opinion. The Marlins took a chance. It's bullpen arms. Anything can happen. But Cole Salsa's regression for me, and I know there was a kind of injury sprinkled in there, but his, his regression has been really stark, I would say, at the kind of back end of this year, particularly since he come back from, from injury, and it, it was really not good, and it felt like a good time to option him down to AAA. I know I've segued into the pen. I'll bring it back to center field in a sec, but... Just overall now, as we kind of look back on Salsa and Scott, the trade they made, they tried to kind of add to it. You know, they were forced into that in some ways. But how do you feel about those two now? We've had a full year of, of, of eyeballs on them. Yeah, they were forced, weren't they? And it, right before spring training to make a move and, and at least get some people in. Um, and we, we were kind of excited by it. And there were periods where Salsa was getting the job done. He never looked amazing, but he, he was getting that job done, getting those saves um, and Scott, you know, for the beginning of the season, I remember talking about him being, you know, the walks are down, the Ks are always going to be there, and then all of a sudden the walks have just started to blow up again, um, and that's concerning. I mean, you'd like to say, oh, give them an off-season with Mel, and, and maybe they can work on some stuff, and I'm sure they will, and, and I'd expect some kind of improvement. But the fact that he's gone downhill as the season's gone through is a little bit concerning. I think they do need that off-season to sort of, you know, work on that because I think the, the stuff's there, you know, if they can get that walk rate even slightly manageable, you know, that's a completely different arm, you know, that's a, that's a leverage pen kind of guy. At the end of the day, the Marlins try to, you know, do it on the cheap and they'll always, to a certain degree, do that um, to build a bullpen because 
ball pens are, are, are funny. I mean, you look at Bass last year, we're all mm. ready to start a GoFundMe to pay the money to get him off the team. And then he pitched really well this year, got us Groshans in the trade. You know, so year to year, there's no, there's very little sort of, um, you can't look at this year and project for next year, just like we couldn't do that last year. So I think there's the stuff that's for Solskjaer and Scott, there's enough there for you to go, you know, run it back. They're going to be relatively cheap, you know, and, and hope that we see some improvement. And when you're talking bullpens, that's, that's kind of what the minds have to do, isn't it? You know, piece it together and, you know, you want, you want 25 guys that you think you can work with and you end up with 10 of them being floated around and you just hope that some of them, you know, <laughs> work out. Because the Marlins aren't going to spend that money. Um, or no. Historically, they never have done um, consistently anyway. Um, but, yeah, when you're looking at the bullpen specifically for next year, you, you kind of go, do they go out there and get one guy, you know, get that big name and then fill it? the rest of it, the way they have always. Is that going to mm. work? Who knows? Um, do they sprinkle the money and get three or four mid-tier guys and hope one of them you know, rises to the top? There's many ways to skin the cat, but the one thing I do know is I'm never going to go into a season going, we've got a top 10, top 5 bullpen. No. I mean, it's an interesting one, just kind of thinking about, you know, if you just get one dude, one dude that is just the ninth inning stud, and you lock him in, would that have a material impact? I saw a wild stat knocking around over the weekends that the Mets are, I think, 80 and 0, and maybe the, the, the numbers have been updated since. The Mets are 80 and 0 when, when leading after the eighth. And I don't know how long that streak stretches, but maybe that's this season. I don't know. I mean, they, they've won, what, more than 80 games, so it's possible that this is from this year, the Mets, 80 and 0, when going into the into the ninth, effectively with a lead, I mean, it just shows you if you do have a stud that you can rely on and that can just lock down games. I mean, Edwin Diaz has had an absolutely stunning year, and I mean, it's trumpets and all for Edwin Diaz this year, no doubt. But it just shines a light on it that how critical it is, and just how important, how much confidence, but equally, how many games you win. That if you get into that phase, and that was the problem early on in the year when the Marlins were, were in the hunt, and the ninth was just, it was uncertain. Like Bender tried to do his best, but you could sense it wasn't there. And Tanner Scott, the same. Like he's trying to do it, but he knows he, it just doesn't feel right for him either. And uh, I mean, I'm not against, I mean, I think we just need to do something different, just kind of trying to piece it together forever. It's, it feels like maybe a different approach would be the right, but I don't know how they fix that. They're probably not going to spend the dough. So they're going to have to trade for someone. And yeah, we know that can be can be expensive in some ways. But yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I've gone way off topic. Unless you want to add further on the bullpen, um, no. Then we will get into, we were talking about center field, and I segued us, so I apologize for that. We talked about Blood A. Hasn't really worked out for him defensively. One guy that was given all the opportunities, and I think we again need to shine a light on, and Alan Witz, I hope you are listening, the biggest Jesus Sanchez stand there is, Jesus is absolutely scorching in AAA right now. He's absolutely scorching. Sean, what kind of numbers is he delivering? And equally, what position is he playing? Is he still playing sender in AAA or is he in a corner? I don't actually know the answer to that, but talk about it offensively first because for me, that's where the struggles showed most were the bat and the swing was just so aggressive and loopy 
Um, so that seems to have tightened up. What's he doing offensively? Yeah, offensively, and let's let's call out that I don't think either of us has seen a single Jesus Sanchez at bat in the minor leagues yet. No, we haven't. Um, but the last eleven games, he's hitting over five hundred. Small sample size, be damned. Uh, a lot of singles. So nineteen singles, at one double, and two home runs. Um, the one thing that's most exciting for me, and that's above the five hundred average, is the fact that he's walking. So eight walks to nine strikeouts. To me, that shows a player who is playing within themselves, playing with some control. Maybe that, you know, you'd hope that that swing, you've already spoken about Groshon's swing, you know, Jesus Sanchez and Lewin Diaz, they've got some big, long, looping uh, swings. So, you know, hopefully he's, he's, he's tightened that up a little bit. He's working on it a little bit. And that's the, that's the main thing, isn't it? He's got the rest of this year at the minor league level, which is probably coming to a close quite soon. Um, he'll play some winter ball, I would presume, um, in the off-season. And then he's got spring training. And the numbers, to me, aren't important. It's the approach. It's the attitude. Yeah. The idea of, is he willing to put in the work to, to, to work on those holes, to work on those things? Because that's one of the knocks that we've heard a little bit about him is that sense of, you know, he, he, he thinks he's the finished article and he's got nothing to work on. Maybe that's a bit, you know, over the top. But I think, yeah, realistically, you need to see him put that work in. You need to see him work on his skills. Um, because otherwise you're going to get into a situation where, yeah, he's he's had his opportunity at the Marlins and, and he had to go elsewhere. And <laughs> a proper hitting organisation um, will work with him and probably get what we should have got out of him. So, you know, hopefully, you know, he can turn it around and do it in the Marlins jersey. Yeah, no doubt. And I've just been checking as you're speaking then. It, he's predominantly playing right field now uh, in, in AAA. And it comes back to exactly what we spoke about. We spoke about it for weeks. I would say months, Sean, me and you. We've, we've talked about this topic. The fact that Jesus was shunted into that spot, asked to do it, as effectively as as a rookie, all the pressure that comes with it. And it clearly impacted him. It clearly did. And lo and behold, he's now back at AAA, making some adjustments, playing in right field. He's back to feeling comfortable. Smile on his face, swag going, you know, bombs away. There's tons of tools with Jesus Sanchez. I'm still shocked, to be honest with you, that they burned his final option year. I'm still shocked in this lost year that they they didn't just call him up and just, you know, leave him on the bench or do whatever to protect that option year. So they had more flexibility next year. I, I I still don't understand that one at this point. Maybe we'll get an answer. You know, it'll, it will probably result in some sort of trade, you would assume, because it's going to be hard to to kind of commit to Jesus Sanchez, I think, for the, you know, for the opening day roster, I would say, for, for 2023, if, you know, Soler and Avi are both healthy going into the year. Um, plus, they maybe add one or two others. So it's going to be hard to find a spot for him, I think. So... Really intriguing there. Um, Brian De La Cruz equally has been doing some work at the major league level. So we have to say De La Cruz was uh, added to the you know the expanded roster. That's why he got added um, to the 28-man. Uh, but actually over the weekend series in particular, a couple of home runs for De La Cruz, a couple of RBIs. Um, he's actually performed pretty well, I would say. So again, like he's gone down, made some adjustments, come back. Okay, it's September De La Cruz. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't be kind of uh, overly... Uh, you know, we shouldn't dig too much into it. But nevertheless, good to see, though, right, De La Cruz. You know, he's putting his best foot forward at this point to kind of give himself a chance uh, to have a, a Marlins future, I would say. 
Absolutely, and and playing everywhere, bit and yeah. left, bit and right, bit and centre. So you know he's hitting reasonably well. You know the numbers over you know the last couple of weeks have looked a lot better, and I think he's certainly putting himself in a position where he's saying. I deserve a spot on that bench. I am your bench outfielder. I can play all three positions at a reasonably good uh, lick. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, these these are the struggles that players go through, don't they? Young players, you know, they, they come up, they come down. And, and yeah, we can, we can say that there are some real stud players out there that come up, hit straight away and, and are elite players. But that's that's not your everyday this is the normal sort of growth curve that you see. It's not linear. It's very, you know, up and down. Mm. Um, and Dada Cruz, you know, he's, he's when you see him play, he, he looks like a major league baseball player. You know, he never looks too, you know, you never look at him and go, he's struggling massively. You know, yeah. the, the, he's always there or thereabouts. And the fact that he's hitting in September is, is a positive, of course. Absolutely. You make a great point there, mate. He does. Like, he doesn't seem flustered. Dela Cruz, just one thing you can't tell if he's struggling or not. Like he just looks relatively controlled within himself. And I think that's an interesting, you know, that's a good thing too. And yeah, it's good to see him back up. It's good to see him hitting. Good to see him getting the opportunity. The flexibility is there. Like if if Dela Cruz, and this we've said the same going into last year, the current year, sorry. You know, if Dela Cruz is the fourth outfielder, he's perfect for that. He's got He's got all the tools to be the fourth outfielder. We just need to have a couple of guys in, you know, ahead of him that uh, are going to probably be a little bit more reliable with a stick. One final one, though, Sean, and then we will get out of here because we've already at the 30-minute mark, which is wild, um, but we always uh, find a way to fill the time, no doubt. And the news that broke uh, earlier in the week, actually, we, we kind of touched on him on the Tuesday episode, but Sixto Sanchez, uh, there was some news breaking that, He's actually throwing at 60 feet now. So he's been stretched out. Um, I don't know what this means. It's interesting that the Marlins have given that update. Sixto is is up to 60 feet. The other news as well, Jorge Soler requires no surgery. So he's just rehabbing on his back issues. Uh, not the same as, as Jazz, perhaps. But Sixto Sanchez back to 60 feet. Um, do we see Sixto at all in 2023? If not, that will be three whole lost years for the Marlins. Uh, this conversation, I just, I, I can't keep having it. Um, <laughs> I, know. I, I, I think I've said already before, six though, like, I don't want to hear 40 feet. I don't want to hear 60 feet. I don't want to hear having a bullpen or, you know, throwing yeah. a long toss. Sim game. Yeah, sim game. I will pay an awful lot of interest when I see him on a mound in front of a camera and we'll go from there. Until yeah. then, I just I just can't trust anything I hear because it's been so long. The fact that he, he's probably had more, you know, minutes uh, spoke about on this podcast and we've not seen him. I haven't seen a single picture. I haven't seen a single video clip of him since he was apparently in a fat suit in spring training. I'm with you, though, mate, for, for someone that has been in the news for the whole year, a whole two years, actually, rehabbing from these various distances measured by a ruler. There's been no no pictures, no image, no film, no nothing apart from um, apart from the video that the Marlins created of him, this interview, um, 
which was taken down uh, when the lockout happened, I believe, and was never put back up. Uh, I don't know if that was an oversight or uh, maybe the Marlins are, are trying to tell us something there. But yeah, anyway, it was news. It was 6-0 news, and it is uh, towards the end of September, and it is the Marlins, so it's right for us to dig into the news that 6-0 is now at 60 feet, and we'll wait and see uh, whether the whether images emerge of this and whether he is still in a fat suit or not. Nevertheless, um, that is us done on Locked On Marlins for Wednesday's episode. Sean Barrett, thank you so much for a double episode. Tuesday, Wednesday, bang, bang, the UK GOAT in the house. We are going to leave it there. Um, I will be back, of course, tomorrow, Thursday. In the meantime, guys, rest up, enjoy the episode, and I will be back tomorrow. See you then.